0: Shout out to our sponsor, Lord Hobo Brewing. Proudly brewed here in Massachusetts, Lord Hobo Beer has a unique ability of bringing all kinds of people together with its craft style defining New England beers and quality ingredients. Some of my favorites are Glorious and Boom Sauce. Support businesses that support us, y'all. LordHoboBrewing.com. Check them out. Hey everyone, I'm Alexis, and welcome to First Year Project, the podcast sharing the stories behind the good, bad, and integral aspects of first year experiences. So y'all, this is really the finale of season two. We started the end of March, and 11 plus episodes later, here we are. I wanted to share something really special with you for the finale. So here's the recording of First Year Project's first live show with Latrell James. The event was such a good time and honestly one of my favorite experiences to date. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who came out. You can find First Year Project on Twitter and Instagram at FirstYearPRJ. P is in Paul, R is in Ricky, J is in John. And on Facebook at first Year Project. For visuals and previous episodes, visit firstyearproject.com. If you like the show, please make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes as it helps First Year Project go up in the rankings and reach more people. If you're not familiar with how to do this, please visit firstyearproject.com review. A link will also be included in the show notes. As an artist, producer, and recording engineer, Luttrell does it all. The 27-year-old Boston native, Dorchester to be exact, has a variety of production and feature credits on the tracks of Cousins Diz, Hari, and Aaron Rose of Pro Era Records, as well as with J. Cole's label Dreamville, and many more. His Project 12 released in May of 2015, solidifying his exceptional musicality, and ability to roll out an entire project in an incredibly intentional way. From making his first beat at 12 years old to sharing a stage with artists like Kendrick Lamar and being the voice behind the Cheerios campaign, Luttrell is a true product of being a student of the game and embracing that the process takes time. But one of my favorite things about Luttrell is his innate desire to connect genuinely with others. It was my pleasure to be sitting down with the Latrell. This couch is so comfy, by the way. Yeah. So, Latrell, you started making beats at 12. At 12 years old, the possibilities are really endless, right? From sports to school to lots of different things that you could kind of get into. What made music stand out? Like, what made music different?
1: Uh, My doc. it's mad simple. Uh, my doctor told me I wasn't going to grow past five seven, And my basketball dreams was just like... Mm. And I was like, all right, cool. What else do I really like? And I guess I was fortunate enough to know what I really liked at 12 years old. And that was music. I mean, I would listen to music to go play ball. And I would listen to it on my rides back. So why not try to create those things?
0: I know some people in here personally who also got the same notice from their doc in terms of, this is it, bruh. so shout out to those people first and foremost now do you remember like the exact day that you actually created your first piece of music
1: my first beat i made sometime in april 2002 it's been that long so 15 years now that was on FL Studio, and I'm still on FL Studio.
0: Wow! Yeah. What was the actual day like, though? Like, how, what was the process from it really being like the first day that you start to create music?
1: Um. So I was in seventh grade, I think. And one of my really good friends, we was in a computer class and we never did anything appropriate in computer class. Don't ask what, it, what we were doing, but at, you know, we got access to the internet at twelve years old. We're gonna do a lot of crazy stuff. So um so one of my friends, he was in the corner, he had headphones on, I seen his head nodded, I'm like, Yo, what is he doing? And um I went over and I checked and he was on FL Studio and he's like, Yo, downloaded this demo and I'm making beats and he made a beat right then and there and I was like I could do that first thing I said I could do that and I, I literally I went home the same night downloaded that the following day, I made my beat, though, because my mom was like, he got to go to bed. It's 9 o'clock, so <laughs> no computers after 9. So when I got home the next day, I rushed did my homework, and I made my first beat, and it was garbage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wait,
0: wait. Why was it garbage? O- outside of it being your actual like first beat? <laughs>
1: So, like, I have no trained musician skills at all. So, like, I didn't know where a kick went. I didn't know where a hi-hat went. I don't know where snares went. I didn't know what any of those instruments meant. So, I literally learned what those instruments were through FL Studio. So, like, I didn't know anything. I just know, hey, I started shifting sounds. And, hey, it sounds better here. And then I figured I was working in a 4-4 meter. I didn't take any classes. I had no clue what I was doing. So... You can assume that it sounded like just moving drums and sounds that make zero sense, but I was proud of the first one.
0: That's the spirit. You and your brother, Ted, uh, produce, and you guys have actually produced tracks together, you've produced projects together, so what is it like working with your brother?
1: That's a great question. he should be here because that would be a question for him to answer I don't know honestly Uh, I guess we know each other really well It's my brother so like we play basketball together we laugh at the same things together so like making music I guess is second nature for us But um, as far as, like, creating together, uh, I'll probably give him, like, hey, yo, here's this. I made this, like, sample, resample it and make something. Our process is never in the same room together. You can't put too many. Really? You can't put too many geniuses in the same room, right? Something. No, but you got to think there has to be alpha male one and then everything else has to fall in line. Like, I don't know a team with more than one alpha male on it, so.
0: That's someone said Wu Tang Clan, and that is a very good point. Um, and you were like the influence that kind of sparked him getting into production, it's on one of your uh songs. So, when did you have that conversation with him, and like how did that conversation go?
1: There was never a conversation, uh, it's me and him are weird, we just uh, I was making beats and then he never told me he was making beats on the same computer I was making beats and then one day he played me beats that he was making and I was like fuck you're better than me <laughs> and I was like how like where are you finding this time to make beats behind my back I was devastated so like <laughs> so for me I was like all right cool it's time for me to go to the drawing board and fix my beats up. And then for some reason, I guess it was just the inside, you know, competition. My older brother made beats as well. So it was three of us making beats in the same house. So if I hear him making something, I'm like, ah, man, how did he do that? Let me go figure out how to do it. And we all taught each other uh, how to sample to all of these things together. So, like, without them, I would be garbage.
0: That's super dope. I I love when families and even, like, friends and everything really work together to 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 put something beautiful um in the atmosphere. So 12 came out May 2015. What was the process like making that project?
1: I had a lot of that music recorded probably in 20 the end of 2013. So like only two songs changed on it and what happened was i decided to change my rap name because i seen somebody else on world star when it was cracking world star is garbage now but um when it was good i seen somebody with the same name as me and i was like yo this this can't happen ever again so i was like i'm going to use my government name my first name my middle name and i'm going to use that cuz nobody else can take that from me so i used that and i was like i could either put this project out now or i could rebrand myself and put it out the right way because if i put it out under latrell james nobody would have knew who i was so i took the next year and a half to figure that out and then we dropped 12 and that process for me was just like uh, i don't know there's a lot of stuff going on in my life and I, i always wanted to make a record about like the the staple record for me on that project is the one about my parents which is the one plus one equals six joint and um For that record, I always wanted to write a song about my parents and I messed it up a thousand times prior to that. And that was the most perfectly executed way I could have did it. And like, I don't know, that record, that last verse on that record still to this day, I don't even listen to it because it's just like, ah, it kind of cuts me a little deep.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that there are like still even tracks on there that are so indicative of like a time or a moment that you can't even listen to them without kind of getting choked up. Um, I'm gonna ask. What was so you've had more than one name in terms of rap? So what was the one that another rapper had on uh, World Star?
1: That's a great question. Uh, it was Sonny Carson, and it was inspired by the education of Sonny Carson. So that was my first name. You should check the movie out if you haven't seen it. It's also where Lauren Hill got inspired for the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. She kind of just flipped the title of that movie. So.
0: I'm very surprised someone had that name on Worldstar. (laughs) That doesn't make no sense to me, to be honest. So I read a tweet about a month ago of yours uh, that read, I am no longer the Latrell James you heard on 12. What did you mean by that?
1: Everybody grows. Year to year, day to day, hour to hour. And uh I felt like when I put out 12, even before after I put out twelve, I felt like I was just labeled as a producer a lot. And like for me, I'm an ultra competitive person. I feel like yo, I can outrap Kendrick when he's at his. Like, I'm like, God, that part was alright. But like, I didn't do that, bro. If I had those beats, Soundwave was sending me these beats, I'd do the same damage he's doing to him. But like, um, But like that's what that tweet's about it's like yo you can no longer at this point in 2017 today you can no longer just say that latrell james is a producer anymore like i am a creator on all levels and you have to respect that nothing more nothing less
0: that's super dope um how has your process changed in terms of how you make music
1: i don't think it's ever going to change i do the same thing i get in the car I drive around with a bunch of beats me or my brother made or people give me and I just mumble, 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 mumble inside of the voice notes and that's what's going to happen until it breaks the way I want it to (laughs) because it's worked thus far and like I do that for everything like I don't I'm not a person to sit down and write because I feel like music is is something of motion. It moves. So how could you sit down and stationary and create something that moves? So that's why I'm always driving or I'm always moving on the road. So like most of the time that I write or create, it's while I'm moving. Only time I sit down is during production. But if you see me produce, I'm maniacal about that as well. I get up, I move a lot and pace the room. And I don't know how I do this stuff half the time.
0: When you say that you mumble... Like, you're not even writing anything down when you first hear these beats?
1: Never.
0: Never. What? I heard someone say Jay-Z.
1: <laughs> Yo, shout out to Jay-Z for resting my whole life up for like a couple months. Um, so, let <laughs> uh, <laughs> me explain why. So I watched the black uh, album documentary, Fade to Black. I was like, oh man, Jay's really writing this stuff in his head. I think I'm in eighth grade. I'm like, you know what? Come ninth grade, freshman year, bump the paper.
2: Yeah, right, right. All
1: right, so I'm commuting to school, <laughs> and like before, for some reason, I had all my raps in my head. So like, anytime somebody's like, "Go try, to say something," I got it right. And then one day, I spilled some coffee on myself on the commuter rail. What forgot. Is how great is this? Forgot every rap that I ever wrote
0: <laughs>
1: in my head, <laughs> and I was I was damaged. Everything just went away. That one tragic moment of hot coffee spilling on my legs erased every rap I ever wrote. And I knew at that moment I hated Jay-Z. And I would tell him this when I met him. So- <laughs> oh my God. That
0: is one of the most hilarious stories I've ever heard about coffee and Jay-Z. Um, ironically. So... I want to know a little bit more about something. And actually, when I was writing these questions, uh, one of the articles that I had read before in passing um, via DJ Booth, um, it was an article about TDE and specifically about Isaiah Rashad and SZA and kind of how they had to be essentially like forced to to, like end their projects, to like put a stop to it. Um, Like, for example, it brings... Up, how someone in TD actually stole the flash drive uh, of Scissors. And that's literally how we got control when we got it because they were like, You are done. This is beautiful. Like, please stop making changes. So, um, both of them also talked about, though, how they needed that. Um, So, how do you know when to stop? Like, how do you know when you're done with a project?
1: Super great question as well. Um, there's another funny story about that too. If you should check it out, it's about Q-Tip. I think it's the Low End Theory or Midnight Marauders. One, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know that one of the label mates, uh, one of the label A uh, and R's pulled the album from him, and he said it wasn't done, and we ended up with Midnight Marauders or Low End Theory. Which one? Midnight, see, yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, so that great album came from somebody taking the ADAT out of the mixer at the time. So, but um, for me, uh, I don't operate outside of a concept, and I don't think I will ever. What do you mean by that? So, like for twelve, it was a concept project from top to bottom. So, like. When I'm making a concept project, I know what has to be there as opposed to me just making music. So like it all has to make sense and it all has to make this story sound like hey, this is realistic and you know, I go through a bunch of beats so oh, this doesn't sound right, this doesn't fit and I replaced records since I started like the outro. I think I replaced three times at one point like it's like alright, this isn't the one, this isn't the one and we will just keep working on those records until we find the ones that actually make the most sense. But um, for me, that's the whole process and You know, you end up writing the intro and the outro before the whole project's done because you know how it's supposed to start and you know how it's supposed to finish. It's just about putting the rest of the pages in the book at that point. And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, the book's pretty finished.
0: This is like the new album that you're talking about. I'm going to get to that. (laughs) We're going to get to that for sure. Um, How do you know when a song is great?
1: I perform it a lot. Uh, It's not for me to decide. Greatness is not for you to decide. Um, It's for the people to decide. I mean, some some people could sit here and say Derrick Rose isn't great, but he is the youngest MVP ever. So it's so subjective at the end of the day. So like people decide what's great and I'm not here to fight them and tell them, no, I made a great album. Like, yo, you pick your favorite records and when you pick those records, I'll make sure to perform them. That's greatness at the end of the day to me.
0: I didn't know that about Derek Rose. To be honest,
1: <laughs>
0: that's sad. I feel like he's not that good anymore. To be honest, <laughs> but um, as a full-time artist, which you are, you also have to financially support yourself, just like we all do. Bills are awful. Um, Charlemagne the God from Breakfast Club and Zaytoven, Gucci's main producer, right? They've been on record really kind of, uh, being, being very vocal about like the important, uh, the importance of knowing when to take a good opportunity that may not be linked to a check. So my question for you is how do you personally like navigate through that and like kind of trying to find the balance
1: uh a lot of that is me, Jess, and Eric. Uh we do a lot of I mean, we talk a lot and have meetings every Friday and we decide, hey, is this worth us doing? Everything isn't about the dollar at the end of the day. It's about being able to gain listeners and gain a following at the end of the day. Like everything doesn't have to come with a check. No good no checks are good. They may pay your bills right then and there, but you'll find yourself on the same spot you were last year. So um I think it's more so about just having the right people around you because I don't think you can make a great decision by yourself.
0: Has your mentality changed on kind of how you approach the financial side at all? Like, has it changed since you first started? How? Uh,
1: when I first started, I just wanted, like, I always thought, like, yo, I'm just going to get this big check from producing or, or rapping. And, like, uh, and then I realized, like, okay, do I? I absolutely want the check but I want to get the check the way I want to get the check and not be, you know, oh, like, you know, there was a time when, like, Scott Storch was making all of these like Middle Eastern influenced beats. And like at the time, I could have easily just rode that same path. Cause at the end of the day, when somebody creates a new sound, there's always somebody that mimics it and makes just as much money as that person, aka that stupid ass whatever her Iggy Azalea record that came out that mustard had nothing to do with. That was kind of crazy. Or you think about all the trap producers that are out now that. Uh, my dude from Virginia, I can't even think of his name, Uh, Lex Luger, like look at how many people actually were influenced by his sound. And even before Lex Luger, let's talk about Shoddy Red, who was making music that sound like today, back 20 years ago when drama dropped and when Jeezy had his albums out. So like, somebody's always gonna imitate and make that money, but like for me, it was just more so about staying true to myself. And I knew that, hey, if you stay true to yourself, you can still make money and it even made it more apparent to me when I opened up for Odyssey recently because his show show sold out at BMH on the lowest of lowest keys and I was just like if I could be him I'll be happy
0: what's the worst advice someone has given you
1: I see you as a producer and that's it that's it. That's not even advice. It was a statement, and that's <laughs> yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. Since I was told that, and I've done it. It wasn't even me to prove it against that. It was more so about yo. Like I know what I am, and nobody can tell you who you are and what you are. Like get the hell out of here, Latrell James, bitch. No sign. So- chops
0: <laughs> <Truff's> Mike. <laughs> You're my favorite. That was hilarious. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, who. At some point, we have to talk about how, I mean, we're going to get back to you battling Kendrick. I didn't know that was a thing until today. Um, His Rolling Stone article, did you catch it? Talked about this, like as an artist, um, kind of this need pushed on artists to create, create, create. As in, like, I think Joey Badass, after he put out his project, he commented on how, like, his fans were already like, we need more music. Like, where's the next thing? He's like, damn, like, I I just released this. So do you ever feel the need to just continue to put out projects without necessarily feeling like for you there is a need to have that project out like like do you feel that 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 type of pressure as an artist nope
1: <laughs> i mean like for me it always comes down to i feel like hip hop's one of those genres where we have to do that situation more than anybody like where it's always like oh we need a new album next yeah. year i have no clue why it's like that and like i really wish i knew but like when I listen to music and the artists I absolutely love from the Michael Jacksons, like he took a lot of time in between each album, like enjoy the music, let a person perform it. Let me enjoy it while I'm performing it before you ask for something new. So like, and also I just feel like I'm not on anybody else's time, but my own, like, you know, when I feel like this gumbo's ready to be served to the people, I'm going to serve the gumbo to the people. You don't open up a restaurant with no menu, like that's foolish. Like, I'm gonna make sure I'm situated first. And like, and you know, if fans are upset about that, like, yo, listen to the old stuff. That's what it's there for. It's for you to reconnect with it. Maybe you miss something. Like, and for me, like I make music that's multi-layered. So, like, you may have missed something in the process just because you want to consume the album in 48 minutes. It's your fault. Go back. <laughs> it's not my job to keep giving you more music. It's not a conveyor belt. Music is an emotion, it comes from some place that all artists are going through. You You can't just keep giving that
0: shout out to that and gumbo. I really like gumbo to be honest and I haven't had it in a while. Um, what's the lesson that has taken you the longest to learn?
1: Be patient, be patient, be patient, be patient. Uh, we are in a social media error where we get to look into other people's lives and where they're at in life and we just compare, compare, compare. And then we find ourselves to be lesser than them. So like the most important thing to know is that your time is going to come. Everybody has their own time and just be patient and work towards your time. And that's what I've learned over time.
0: I literally just had this conversation with one of my best friends, um, because I'm actually the most impatient person that I know. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, We discovered this yesterday. Where's Will? Yeah, Will's looking (laughs) straight ahead. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, literally last night. So how do you how do you practice patience? Like, are there things that you are intentionally doing daily to try to, I guess, Strengthen
1: that muscle? Uh, I walk away from music for time to time. I do other things. I play basketball every day. There's other things besides music or like, you know, the things that I'm like obligated to do musically. Like, we have lives at the end of the day. I think people forget to just be human 95% of the time. Like, the art is art, but I'm a human while I'm creating that and while I'm outside. So, like, I don't sit around and try to go, oh, I need to get this done. It's like, be patient, get it done. When Put yourself on a schedule. Don't be lenient, though. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to get this done next year. That's stupid. <laughs> put yourself on a schedule. Maybe you don't meet your goals, but sometimes when you set goals, you exceed your goals, and then you can regroup from there, reevaluate, and keep going. But like, there's no real thing to practice. It's just more so knowing, hey, my time is going to come, and I'm going to keep working towards when that time happens, I'm going to let the floodgates
0: the Cheerios commercial. I, I talked to Latrell before this and I was like, I'm honestly only gonna ask you one question about the Cheerios commercial because he has fifty million and they're all dope, very dope interviews. NPR, uh all these various really, really amazing outlets. Um so Latrell is literally the voice behind the new Cheerios commercial. Yeah, no seriously. Coming uh, from Boston, as in being born and raised in Boston, I—I I mean, and those of you who are born and raised in Boston, I never had the opportunity to know someone who lived in my city who did that in terms of music. So I think it's a super, super dope opportunity. What what I want to know is how do you think more up and coming artists or even artists that are just like doing the damn thing like right now in Boston like how how can those types of opportunities be leveraged because I think that they are important to the point where there's some people who were like who is this person and then I think someone like uh tweeted them back that it was Latrell and they like couldn't believe that (laughs) it was Latrell so like how do how do artists and just creatives in general like really leverage those types of national opportunities
1: leverage as and like use them to our advantage or leverage as into getting themselves into that position both um most important thing is, again, just research. I unfortunately have Jessica and Eric, and Jess is like research guru of the world. She searches everything, and uh you know, just knowing, you get like, I think artists get so wrapped up in thinking that uh, the only revenue stream is like you being super successful being on MTV Awards and stuff. Like, yo, a lot of artists make a lot of their money through licensing and seek licensing, and just providing music to things that need music. Like, nothing goes on television Television without music somebody's creating that and somebody's getting the bag for that so find out who in your city is revolved involved in licensing meet that person tell them what you bring to the table and make those ends connect i feel like uh People are just afraid to meet people and talk to people. And we have to get out of that bubble. And once you get out of that bubble, you never know what somebody's going to tell you if you don't ask. So, like, we ask and we go. And uh, as far as leveraging it, uh, being on a national campaign, uh, just people are paying attention now. I guess that's the most important thing. Uh, for me, I've never had this much attention, and I'm not comfortable with it. It's not something I really care about. You know, I get on stage. Like, I feel like when I get on stage, I'm Latrell James, and once I get off of that, I just want to be my mom's son again. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's weird, but I think that artists should start, especially in Boston. We can leverage a lot of the music that we create. Put them on anything; it doesn't matter. Look at look at what's happening on Insecure. Like every week, there's a new artist being broken and played throughout that show. So like, there's other places beyond Cheerios and Insecure that needs those situations. I remember I was watching uh, uh The Exorcist on Fox, and the only song that plays in that whole show. It's Earl Sweatshop's chum. Every time somebody walks outside, that song plays. And I'm like, yo, he's collecting money for that, isn't he? Wish that was me.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Insecure. That show ruins, like, honestly, four out of the five days of my week after Sunday. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, that's a very, very good point. And I love how shows now are becoming more intentional with letting people know like, hey, yeah, we use like this new artist or like, thank you so much so-and-so for letting us use your music. I think it's a a huge opportunity and, and you make a lot of really good points about that. So the upcoming project, tell us about it. What's the name? What's going on with it? And then we actually have a track off of the album so yeah. yeah
1: we telling names today guys Jess, eric we telling names today guys all right cool i guess we'll do it sheesh uh that was a good question the name of our project is the sky might fall oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and i've been holding that in for a long time but um The project is a concept project, of course, which why it took me another two years to get it out of my system. Um, And I'll give you a little gist about it. It's about this uh, particular person that grows up in this particular house and was sheltered from all of these things. And the whole track, the whole album revolves around this particular person being inside that house and what they see outside that house. So you'll hear the first track which is about what's going on outside, and you'll get family issues that's inside, and it'll go inside and outside through the whole thing. And they all have their own situations that are going on, but like when you get through it, you'll kind of understand it. I don't want to give too much about it, but uh, the first track is called My Window, and I literally like, it's like the synopsis of the whole project in one song, so, and then, that's pretty cool. It's, just know it's about a house and this young boy or this being that grew up in a house because it's not really a boy at the end of the day. It could be anybody that, you know, experience family issues, outside issues, especially in the crazy world we in today.
0: That sounds super, super dope. And I'm sure the visuals for that, you could do so many different things in terms of like perspective and stuff. Mm-hmm. When when do you think when do you think people can hear the entire project? We're we're gonna hear a track from it today which I'm excited for cuz I haven't even I haven't even heard it. I just told Jess to email Brian. <laughs> so this will be this will be my first time listening to it too. But yeah, it's like when when should folks expect it?
2: Uh,
1: th- this year. Uh we only got 3 months left, so.
2: That's true. I
1: was I was thinking. I'm not like saying this in January, so uh this year is just about uh making sure that gumbo's right before I open the restaurant. You don't open a restaurant unless that gumbo <sighs> You know, like soup Moo, You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, and that. Oh man, it's a Haitian soup. Yo, I'm hip. I'm fully. I'm fully aware, bro. And I'm just, your boy is gonna be down, bro. But uh, like the soup it got to be right. If it ain't right, I don't want to put it out there. So, um, this year, <laughs> and I'm a fall winter person. So, like you know. I feel like I want to get people through the fall and winter. So that's important to me. It's cold out. We still buy iced coffees in the winter, but we're going to get through it.
0: (laughs) You're hilarious. Um, So the track that we have today is called what? Can you tell us a little bit about it? And then we're going to have Brian just cue it up. And um, yeah. Uh,
1: The track is called OK. And um. I don't really want to talk too much about it because you kind of get the whole gist of the record soon as the record drops. Um, the most important thing is that I shout out the producer of this record. His name is Billy Loman, one of my favorite producers in Boston. So, um... I do that because I'm a producer slash artist myself. Producers need that credit. Yeah, me and Billy linked up sometime like last year in Brockton, and he played me a bunch of beats. I got the voice memo on my phone. I mumbled this, then we it, it turned into a record the next day. Like we, he has the intro in this record to my project. So like, shout out to Billy Loman and uh, yeah, just listen to it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. Literally, the song called Okay on First Year Project. We're going to take a, a, a listen to it and then we'll have a QA. <laughs>
2: Okay, okay. Rule number two, stay at your mama' business. Okay, okay. I ain't got time for all the contradictions. Okay, okay. It seems like no one got no common sense here. Okay, okay. Rule number one, don't trust no politicians. Okay. Okay, okay, cause I be drinking just to solve my issues. Okay, okay, I spent 200 on some scratcher tickets. Okay, okay, and I ain't make a buck on none of them bitches. Okay, okay, my luck been running now. Larry Bird. So I could pay his way to college before he see can about it. Work is nine five so I get a new position and it's paying twelve an hour. Fuck the system. <laughs> Rule number one, don't trust no politicians. Okay, okay. Rule number two, stay out your mama business. Okay, okay. I ain't got time for all the contradictions. Okay. okay, It seem like no one got no common sense here. Okay, okay. Rule number one, don't trust no politicians. Okay, okay. He served his time and cared for all his children. Okay, okay. He told me stay in school and not the prisons. Okay, okay. And okay. pick your pants up, you are not a nigga. Okay, okay. okay. My luck been running now. Peyton Manning had his ass, a horseshoe. Kobe Bryant has to kill. Get yours now. I'm trying to warn you up and down, but don't fuss. Drown in the cup. Drag. Drown in my cup. This ain't EJ. Drown. Uh, ever seen a rapper try to College buying food. in your closet, and I need a refund
0: check if you ever on a I like how you did that, Brian. That
2: was sexy. That was
1: sexy.
0: That was sexy, right?
1: I'm a, I'm a cash
0: <laughs> that was like, uh, Jimi Hendrix when he played his, uh, guitar backwards and then lit it on fire. That was amazing. It was kind of like that without the fire, and you just press, uh, you just move some buttons, but I was so surprised by it to be honest thanks so much for listening to today's episode y'all shout out to our sponsor lord hobo brewing proudly brewed here in massachusetts lord hobo beer has a unique ability of bringing all kinds of people together with its craft style defining new england beers and quality ingredients Some of my favorites are Glorious and Boom Sauce. Support businesses that support us, y'all. LordHoboBrewing.com. Check them out. If you have thoughts you'd like to share about the episode or want to share your own moment of transition, make sure to drop me an email at FirstYearPRJ at gmail.com. A link to subscribe to First Year Project's newsletter is included in today's show notes. The newsletter allows you to get first dibs to episodes and will also begin including more exclusive content. So make sure to subscribe with the link in the show notes. I'm going to be taking a break before recording season three, but I'll still be putting out the newsletter, sharing some first phase with you all and may release bonus content here and there. So still definitely continue keeping your eye out for first year project. Today's background music is My Night by Chantel Akda. You can find her on soundcloud.com. Editing, production, and hosting on today's episode were done by myself. The Latrell James track played on this episode is off of his forthcoming album, The Sky Might Fall, and is called OK. Heard first here on First Year Project. You can find First Year Project on Twitter and Instagram at Prj. P is in Paul, R is in Ricky, J is in John, and on Facebook at First Year Project. For visuals and previous episodes, visit FirstYearProject.com. If you like the show, please make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, as it helps First Year Project go up in the rankings and reach more people. If you're not familiar with how to do this, please visit FirstYearProject.com slash review. A link will also be included in the show notes. Thanks for the love, y'all. Until next time, have a dope week.